The Proverbs 31 woman has plagued the minds of women for years, playing a background theme song in our heads with lyrics that say, no matter how hard we try, we'll never quite measure up to the poise, stamina, and strength she effortlessly possesses. But what if we've been wrong in our way of interpreting the epilogue of this woman of valor? And what if the message God is relaying behind her account is not meant to discourage us, but to empower us? Today on Bloom, we'll discover how the Proverbs 31 woman is not a passage devoted to condemning us in our shortcomings, but celebrate us in our uniquely created design as kingdom women. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for September 2nd, 2022. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationships with each other and the Lord. I'm so grateful that you have tuned into Bloom today. If you are listening to Bloom for the very first time, welcome. Bloom launches a new podcast on the first Friday of each month. It's our holy ambition that we can grow deep in our knowledge of God's word, understand who we are in him, and live in a way that brings him the glory he is most worthy of. If you have been a faithful listener and Bloom has been a blessing in your faith walk, we'd love for you to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with a friend so that we can continue to grow together. So I have to be honest, in the one and a half years that I've been doing the Bloom podcast, I have tiptoed around what can arguably be considered the most notorious female passage in scripture. You know exactly which one I'm talking about. Proverbs 31 is mentioned a lot in Christian women's circles. It sneaks into anything from Mother's Day cards to small group studies and everything in between. The problem is, I think when a passage is referenced often, without intention, it can easily become filed in a box in our mind labeled cliché. I have a cliché box that I have been working towards sifting through and reevaluating things I have inadvertently placed in there over the years. And once we cement in our minds that something is cliche, we usually close off any way of thinking that will somehow be able to gain anything of new value from it. I am just as guilty of mentally rolling my eyes when I read or hear some of the words from this epilogue. Words like, she rises while it is still dark and her lamp does not go out at night. I mean, who is this woman? You know, what kind of coffee is she drinking? I would like to know, because I'd like to get some. I need that. It becomes so hard not to hold ourselves up against her impeccable character and countless abilities, only to discouragingly discover we fall drastically short. But if you're reading Proverbs 31 in this lens, like so many other women have, including myself, you'll be pleasantly surprised to know that we've been reading this all wrong. You heard that correctly. We have been reading this all wrong. I'd like for us to unpack three C's that distort this beautiful passage so we can see the truth behind the story of not only this woman, but of ourselves in our 21st century world. So the first C that distorts the Proverbs 31 woman is a word that we've already briefly mentioned in the intro, and that word is condemnation. Condemnation basically means an expression of very strong disapproval. It's an ugly word, isn't it? Scripture is clear that condemnation isn't biblical, and therefore it doesn't come from God. So that's the good news. And that is because the Bible points to Christ, 
Whereas condemnation does not point to Christ, it actually points to self. You see, when we begin to stumble into a narrative that speaks clear undertones of condemnation, we are removing our eyes off Jesus and then fixing them on ourselves. Condemnation is a common tool the enemy uses to make us believe we wear a garment of disgrace when we've already received robes of righteousness in Jesus. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus did something radical that only he could do. He saved us from ourselves. So why do we continue to be led astray by our fleshly hearts by choosing to wander in the wilderness of condemnation? The word says that in spite of ourselves, God still loves and values us. I love how 1 John puts it, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. He knows everything, every imperfection, and there are many, we all know, every weakness, every failure, every mistake, every shortcoming. He knows it all. He sees it all, but he chooses to extend unfailing love instead of unforgivable condemnation. He doesn't say you aren't enough. He says you are enough because Christ, who bought you with his life, is more than enough. Condemnation can also imply the action of sentencing someone to punishment. When we even glance at Proverbs 31, it doesn't take us long to see the exhaustive and extensive list of all she is and all she does. But contrary to popular belief, Proverbs 31 is not designed to cloud our minds and weigh down our hearts with hefty demands, to-dos, and responsibilities you know, we generally don't need to be reminded of everything that's on our plate, and we definitely aren't motivated by someone who seems to be so put together with a generous, humble, can-do attitude on top of it. It's not a religious imposed punishment. And yet, this is often how we approach the passage of this woman. Instead of asking, what message is God relaying to me through her? We immediately divert to human patterns of behavior and we begin to analyze ourselves. We look away from a holy God and look into the tainted reflection in the mirror. Now, if we're using Proverbs 31 as a personal measuring stick, we will likely feel as though we don't measure up. The enemy is sneaky like that, isn't he? He is always trying to convince us that we are less than who God designed us to be. And Satan loves to operate in the language of discontent if we feel we don't meet these unrealistic superwoman expectations. And that is what brings us to our second C that distorts the Proverbs 31 woman, comparison. Comparison is a consideration or estimate of the similarities or dissimilarities between two things or two people. Comparison is a cultural epidemic. Now, most of us would argue that media, internet, and social media, and before technology, magazines and billboards have easily paved the way for comparison to flourish in our culture. But comparison is not a new concept recently discovered in the modern day world. In fact, it began a long time ago. It has roots back at the very beginning in the garden. It's very much a common tendency. It's a weak point, a natural bent in our human programming. When we look to the Genesis story and the first woman to walk the earth, we see the enemy use his craftiness towards this very weak spot to set his wicked plan in motion. 
If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 3, and I'm just going to read the first five verses. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan lured Eve into the delusion that she was not fully satisfied, not completely content, because she wasn't God. Satan made an unrealistic comparison between Eve, who is the created, and God, who is the divine creator. Of course, the discrepancy was obvious, and Eve began to question her worth. And because of her newfound knowledge that she was not God, but believed the lie that she could possess the ability to become like God, Eve made a disobedient decision. A decision that she thought would change her reality and make her feel more valuable and in control. But instead, her decision introduced chaos, disorder, and brokenness into God's perfect creation. Now, we can be easily tempted to read Proverbs 31 with the same deluded heart. When we read the words, we can't help but see the Proverbs 31 woman as someone with unattainable perfection that you and I can never achieve. We once again fall into default habits and we turn our eyes off Christ to look at ourselves. And just as the story in the garden, we begin to crave that perfection, but only so we can receive the glory. It's not good enough to simply bear our Creator's image. We want to be placed high up on the pedestal and praised. It's not enough to be the woman God made you to be. We need to be superwoman, and we need to be acknowledged for it. And once we begin to desire to be superwoman, the third C of distortion creeps in, and that is competition. Competition in its simplest form means the activity or condition of competing. But in Latin, this is interesting, it means rivalry. Now, if you don't struggle with comparison or if you begin to gain confidence in your abilities, you move away from comparing yourself to the Proverbs 31 woman or other women to competing with them. So instead of championing one another, we compete to see who is better, who's more gifted, who works harder, who's smarter with money, who's more beautiful, who has the highest degree, who has the biggest house. And if you couldn't have guessed it by now, the root of competition also takes us down the path of self. We all have the deep desire to feel good about ourselves. No one truly wants to feel like they aren't good enough. And sometimes the most tempting and easy way to feel that we are good enough is by competing against someone else. Corrupting thoughts like, well, I'm way better of a cook than she is. I'm glad I don't mismanage my money the way she does. Well, I'm sure glad that my marriage isn't falling apart like hers. I can't believe her house was that lived in when I visited. I'm so glad that my kids are on a much better track than hers are. Or I just landed that big promotion while she is still stuck in her dead-end job. Now, these kinds of responses can ease the pressure of not quite being superwoman, but at least you're better off than another woman. And you might not say these things out loud, but are you thinking it ever in your heart? 
Thankfully, God's word always has truth for the moments our soul needs corrective heart surgery. In Philippians, Paul writes, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You know, a little healthy competition in some areas can be good, but this is not one of those areas. Instead of competing with others, let's be women who encourage others in their faith. So now that we've unpacked three C's that distort the Proverbs 31 woman, let's unveil some redeeming truth to this passage. First, God never intended for Proverbs 31 to condemn you and me. Just look at the opening sentence in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. Do you catch that? Far more precious. These words speak sweet notes of love. God is not condemning women at all. He's affirming how he sees us, affirming our value to him. When we are so tuned into psalms that sing failure over us, we need to be reminded that God's psalm is one of favor. Remember, he knows everything and he still finds us precious. Secondly, God never intended for Proverbs 31 to be used as a tool for comparison. Verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We don't need to compare ourselves to anyone. The temporal things of this life don't hold a great deal of eternal worth. All that matters in the eyes of God is that we remain fixed on Him and live only to serve Him. And finally, God never intended for Proverbs 31 to create division through competition. Verse 29 says, Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Now, this verse initially might sound like a contradiction to our point by actually representing competition. But the original meaning behind competition is not what we consider it to be today. Instead of competing or rivalry, the intended meaning of the word is to strive. Now, what this passage is really saying is that a woman who strives to honor Jesus with her life, she who is a God-fearing woman, will be praised. She will be honored, not because she makes the best apple pie or because she's earned her doctorate degree, but because she loves the Lord with all her heart and she strives to serve him and others well. Condemnation, comparison, and competition are not the chords of Proverbs 31. Aren't you glad? Instead, it's a celebration of who Christ made us to be. It has nothing to do about perfection, and it has everything to do about purpose. Lisa Turkhurst once wrote about Proverbs 31 in this way. She said, In Jewish culture, these verses are read out loud on the Sabbath as a celebration over women. This is in no way condemning what they aren't, but celebrating how they are in their own unique expressions, living out the virtues detailed in this chapter. These aren't words meant to tell a woman she is supposed to be more. They are a celebration of who she is. Woman of Valor, I pray that you read these sweet passages with fresh eyes. Eyes not fixed on your faults, shortcomings, or weaknesses, but eyes fixed on Christ, our divine creator, by whom you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, and for whom we live to worship. 
Now, if you haven't heard, we are having an overnight retreat on September 30th through October 1st. I am so excited about this. We'll have the opportunity to hear from two guest speakers, spend time in worship, and have small group discussion. Our theme this year is Dare to Dream. We're going to talk through what dreams God might be planning in your heart during this season so we can intentionally and prayerfully pursue them, being reminded that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine. All the information and registration are on our website. It's gracecma.org. Just type Dare to Dream in the search bar. Invite a friend or two. It's going to be an impactful time, and we would love to see you there. Thank you so much for tuning into Bloom today. I'd love for you to join us back here next month as we dive into the specifics of how we can live out our purpose in Jesus through the principles in Proverbs 31 in part two of this series. In the meantime, keep growing and God bless. Mm -hmm.